It is now crystal clear to each and every one of us that the future belongs solely to renewables. Welcome to The Jolt. It's the 20th of November. I'm Sam Morgan, your host. Later in the episode, we'll be looking at what a new German court ruling on climate funding might mean for the energy transition. First, let's take a look at what has been happening in the world of energy and climate. Climate scientists warn that the globe experienced its first day of two degrees average warming on Friday. Data from the Copernicus Earth Observation Satellite Network revealed the shocking development. It means that the Paris Agreement's targets of preventing warming of two degrees above pre-industrial levels, as well as of course the 1.5 target, have perhaps never looked more in jeopardy. Just to clarify, uh, this warming event is thankfully not yet a sustained one, but it is yet another stark reminder that it is very much where we are headed. Something for politicians to think about at COP28, I think. Argentina has a new president, and it's a far-right outsider whose campaign pledges included replacing the peso with the US dollar and appointing the scientist who cloned his favourite dog as a top research advisor. Javier Millet won this weekend's second round runoff by a sizable margin. He has been likened to Donald Trump and Brazil's Jair Bolsonaro, and he's also a climate change denier. Millet says it is a socialist hoax. He's pledged to expand oil and gas exploration, privatise more of the fossil fuel sector, and scale up investments in lithium mining. Millet also has said that he will shut down the environment ministry. This apparently is what making Argentina great again looks like. The UK government will reportedly offer households that live near new power projects money off their utility bills. The new compensation policy is expected to debut later this week as part of the government's economic outlook and is intended to halve the average delivery time of new electricity projects from 14 years to seven. Households will be able to earn up to £10,000 over the course of a decade and it is hoped the promise of financial reward will dissuade people from lodging complaints against new infrastructure like pylons and substations. Planning reforms will also include a new premium service available for a fee. Hopefully that will be more successful than Elon Musk's Twitter service. The world's first cross-border carbon capture storage agreement has been brokered. Yara International, a Norwegian chemical company that specialises in making fertiliser, and Northern Lights, a carbon storage project in the North Sea, have agreed terms. Yara aims to capture about 800,000 tonnes of CO2 from its chemical plant in the Netherlands, which Northern Lights will then ship to its facility off the coast of Norway. There, the CO2 will be injected into aquifers more than 2,000 metres below the seabed. Operations are expected to begin in 2025, cost 200 million euros, and last 15 years, in which an estimated 12 million tonnes of CO2 is expected to be captured and stored. That's about the same as the annual output of Lithuania, captured by just one project. Yara says the CO2 captured from its ammonia production operation will be equivalent to neutralising 0.5% of the Netherlands' total emissions. I think it was about time that someone put their money where their mouth is when it comes to CCS. 
Nigeria's government has advised the 36 states that make up the country to establish climate change departments. Environment Minister Iziak Salako says more high-quality data from a local level in particular will allow the central government to improve its wider climate policies. A recent report by local NGOs revealed that just 8 of the 36 states have climate policies in place, and just 12 include them in their budgets. The Central African Republic has inaugurated a landmark 25-megawatt solar plant. The new facility near the capital city of Bangui has battery storage and will power about a quarter of a million homes, effectively doubling the country's electricity-generating capacity. The impact on emissions will be significant, as the plant will mostly displace diesel generators. The World Bank has helped fund the project, and it has the longer-term goal of helping to bring power to more CAR households. Currently, just 16% of people have regular access to electricity, which ranks the Republic of some 6 million people among the worst countries when it comes to energy progress. Let's hope that projects like this become the norm rather than just being outliers. Japan has completed the current round of discharging radioactive water used to cool the wrecked Fukushima nuclear plant. In what is the third of four planned discharges this year, Japanese authorities pumped nearly 8,000 tonnes of tainted water one kilometre out to sea. Well over a million tonnes of water will have to be disposed of over the course of the next three decades. The authorities say that the level of radioactivity is significantly lower than the minimum safe levels recommended by the World Health Organization, and ongoing seawater tests show that the plan is proceeding as expected. The European Union's new renewable energy rules enter force today. Politicians and policymakers signed off last month on the reform directive, which sets a 42.5% clean energy target for 2030. That means that we are entering the crucial implementation phase, where governments actually have to roll up their sleeves and start meeting the objectives of the updated legislation. And there was frustration in Kenya at a meeting of the United Nations Environment Programme after talks on a global plastics treaty stalled. Negotiators are trying to broker a pact that would limit plastic pollution and turbocharge recycling and reuse efforts worldwide, but a lack of progress on deciding how the treaty would actually work means that it is difficult to see it becoming operational in 2025 as hoped. Environmental groups say that big oil-producing nations have been using stalling tactics to try and derail the process altogether. Plastic production has doubled in the last 20 years, and 90% of it is not recycled. More talks are scheduled for early next year. That's all of your news updates for today. Now, let's move on to a closer look at the story of the moment. Germany's efforts to decarbonize its economy, the largest in Europe, were dealt a bit of a blow last week when the Bundesrepublik's constitutional court decided that 60 billion euros of earmarked cash cannot be used for climate funding. It gives politicians in Berlin a bit of a headache and might yet mean clean energy or industrial greening projects fall by the wayside if the budget gap cannot be plugged. Quick bit of history on that 60 billion euros, first of all. When COVID-19 was all the rage and countries were desperately trying to deal with a global economic shutdown and its aftermath, 
Germany came up with a bright idea. 240 billion euros in borrowing injected back into the economy to keep it ticking over. Despite their rigid fiscal principles, government was allowed to do it because of emergency rules that suspended the infamous debt break that governs pretty much all public spending. 60 billion euros was left over and Berlin decided to make the most of it and transfer it to a new climate transformation fund. The court's ruling says this was not constitutional. I asked Karsten Brzezki, the chief economist for Germany at Dutch bank ING, what this might mean for government policy. This decision by the constitutional court has created a hole in German public finances of 60 billion euro. So yes, it is a big problem for the German government, but you need to make a distinction. And um, it, it's not a such a big hole for the budget 2024, because these 60 billion euro were supposed to go into this climate and transition fund, a fund which is um, should be, should last for a couple of years. And this fund is not paid by annual government expenditures. So the 60 billion um, euro hole is rather in this fund and not so much in the budget for 2024. But um, the government had uh, planned to pay quite some um, some measures for the green transition out of this climate fund. And this is another big consideration for the government, what to do, continue with the budget um, as it had planned to, or already anticipate for the upcoming years in which then financing and funding everything regarding the climate change and the fight against climate change will be, uh, will be much more complicated. So how do Olaf Scholz and his political allies deal with this? The energy transition is going to need more money, not less. 60 billion was considered a decent start, not a final payment. I asked Carsten whether Germany will have to get creative and maybe start treating climate change as an emergency situation, just like COVID. Yeah, it's a very it's a very good question. And I think this government, plus also previous governments under Angela Merkel, had already been quite creative when it came to budgeting. Because there is this constitutional debt break, as it's called, so more or less um, a very, very simplified saying, pushing the government to run balanced budgets. It's it's a bit more flexible than that, but that is actually more as the bottom line. And now the Constitutional Court has actually, I think, put a stop on future or further creativity when it comes to public finances. There is only one, one solution right now um, that would be um, create a couple of off-budget vehicles. That is something that the government has already done. On, on different issues, for example, on, on defense spending. But the opposition party has already said that it is uh, also looking into these off-budget vehicles. And it could very well be that we will soon see another ruling by the Constitutional Court, which then probably will also stop this kind of creative accounting. So the only other way out would be to be extremely blunt, to be extremely transparent and announce that we are in a kind of emergency and that this is not an emergency of the pandemic or the war in Ukraine, but we are in a climate emergency. And that is something that will not be solved within six months, but only over a couple of years. And with this emergency, so declaring an emergency to the German economy would allow the government to deviate from this constitutional fiscal fiscal break. And therefore, I think this would be the only way out. So be much more clear, transparent, and open and then argue what kind of expenditures, what kind of investments are needed in order to tackle all the challenges linked to climate change. 
Germany's parliament, after all, is one of several in Europe that has not declared an emergency situation when it comes to climate change. Uh, Wales's parliament, actually, was the first in the world to officially do that back in 2019, and a lot of parliaments have followed suit in the meantime. European Union's parliament did so as well, and Germany is, of course, included within that remit, but it hasn't done it by itself. Maybe this will be a way forward. Who knows? So how Germany reacts to this is still not clear. Government is still digesting it. How it will impact talks at a wider European level on fiscal reform is even less clear. Can Germany really maintain its hawkish tone when it has fallen foul of its own legal system at home? Constitutional court's decision might prove to be a nail in the coffin of big public climate action. Or it might act as a catalyst for more robust spending. Coming weeks and months of conversations and debates and reactions to this ruling will be very critical. This is one of those stories that is very much like dropping a pebble in a still pond. The ripples get wider and wider. Who knows where they might stop? Many thanks for joining me today. I'm back on Wednesday with another episode of The Jolt. Before I sign off, just a brief roundup of what else we've got for you at Foresight Climate and Energy. Our new magazine is now available in digital format on the website. This one looks absolutely spectacular, and there are some great reads in there all about alternative fuels and the burgeoning power to X sector, so do check that out. Physical copies will be on their way to members very soon. Friday's episode of The Jolt gave us a sneak peek what to expect from the magazine, so if you missed that, do catch up where you can. The Jolt is free to air, so please do show us some love and share the episodes if you enjoyed listening. You can also sign up to our informative newsletters. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks to everyone at Foresight for helping make The Jolt possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of The Jolt. The Jolt.